I'm going to introduce our very first scientist to speak tonight. Uh, David, Associate Professor David Beatty is a chemist working in the new newly established Future Industries Institute at the University of South Australia. He spends his time juggling demands of curiosity-driven research and industry-engaged research. Please welcome David to the stage. It's uh, good to be back. Um, I'm going to tell you a story about a, a very clever man. Um, this man was a scientist, a technologist, an engineer. Um, his father had established a family business, and the business bore the family's name. And this business uh, made money out of selling munitions to an imperial power of the day to help them get an edge in warfare. Now, this, this man I'm going to talk to you about brought some new innovations, some new inventions to this family business uh, that resulted in obtaining of a massive amount of money. Um, later in his life, he uh, used his wealth to become something of a philanthropist. Um, and it was said that uh, his former personal assistant pulled him a little bit away from feeding the industrial war machine and to think about establishing a legacy for himself that was, would be better for humanity. So before I confuse you all too much, I'm not talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's not Tony Stark that I'm talking to you about tonight. I'm talking to you about Alfred Nobel. Yes, that Nobel. Most of the world knows Alfred Nobel because of his establishment of the, of the prizes, including the Peace Prize. Um, but that was established after his death. It was a bequest from his will. But as a chemist, um, I know Alfred Nobel from his impact in the chemical industry and specifically on the development of explosives. So... Alfred was born, his father Emmanuel started this family business, um, but he had to move to Russia uh, from Sweden, which is where they were from, and he established a, a, a company that sold mines, sea mines to the Russians that they used in the Crimean War to protect them from the British. Um, Emmanuel uh, Nobel brought his family over, and, they all, and, and Alfred uh, and his sons uh, and his brothers were educated there um, in science and engineering. Um, his older brothers were quite keen to follow uh, into, into the family business. Um, but Alfred, Alfred was uh, a little bit more bookish, a little bit more interested in literature. But he still had a bit of an interest in the explosives that he got from his father. His father decided to try and uh, get him interested in the family business by sending him off to learn about chemistry. Um, which he did, so he sent him to Paris and he studied chemistry there. And it was there in Paris that he discovered, or he was exposed to the the, the explosive that would make him his fortune. He was working alongside a young Italian chemist, uh, Sobrero. Uh, this, this young Italian chemist had developed nitroglycerin, which most of us are aware of as a, as a very powerful explosive, but it was brand new at the time. He demonstrated its power to Alfred uh, uh, by putting a little drop on, a, on, a, on an anvil and hitting it with a hammer and it was a big bang. And Alfred immediately thought, well, this, this is gonna be a lot better than gunpowder, which is what my father's using just now. I'm going to see if I can commercialize this. So before I get into, in, into, into villainy, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about the four big innovations that Alfred made in the area of explosives related to nitroglycerin. Nitroglycerin was very powerful, much more powerful than gunpowder, but it, had, it was actually quite difficult to detonate. If you wanted to make it ex explode, it was, you couldn't always do it. So he solved the problem of doing that by adding a small amount of a more easily detonated explosive. Uh, to a much larger charge of nitroglycerin, which made it viable almost as, as a commercial explosive. 
he then solved the, the second of the big problems of the nitrous fluorescence, which was you couldn't make it go off when you wanted to, but it would go off on its own. <laughs> so you just nudge it a little bit, heat it up a little bit, boom. It caused massive accidents, explosions, industrial catastrophes, death everywhere. Um, but he solved the problem of its instability by mixing it with a bit of a, cl a clay-like material, and he could make a paste out of it, roll up into, into a rod, uh, wrap some paper on it, put a blasting cap on it. Um, and uh, hey presto, you've got dynamite, which is what Alfred Nobel is most often known for in terms of his inventions. He had another few inventions. The third one was mixing nitroglycerin with uh, a material which was often used as a wound dressing at the time. It would form a little gel over your, over your cuts and, and protect the skin. Uh, so he mixed that up with nitroglycerin and made what was called blasting gelatin, um, which was even more versatile than dynamite. It could be used underwater in all sorts of interesting ways. Um, and his fourth major invention when it came to explosives was ballastite, which was a straight replacement for gunpowder and ballistic weapons. Essentially, uh, gunpowder had been used for centuries to uh, kill people, um, but uh, actually using it as a charge and a weapon wasn't all that great. It was a very dirty explosion. It fouled the weapons, and it wasn't actually all that powerful. So he mixed nitroglycerin with another common explosive. Now, you may notice I'm not giving you any recipes, because <laughs> ASIO might be listening. Um, so he, he mixed nitroglycerin with another common explosive at the time, and it, he could make it in a solid little, uh, solid little packet, and it was actually three times more powerful than gunpowder, and, and, it, and it, it exploded cleanly, which made it very, very useful for, for military applications. So those were the four advances that he, he had in the area of explosives. But that's all just science. Why am I talking about in, a, in, a, in an episode about villains? Well, let's not beat around the bush. Explosives kill people, you know? They either kill them accidentally or people use them on purpose to kill you. Um, so you, if you're developing explosives, you're already in a bit of a gray area when it comes to, to science. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some incidents from his business uh, developments that will hopefully let you see that he's, he's, he's on the darker side of gray, let's say. Um, the first of these things was that uh, in the course of developing nitroglycerin as an explosive, um, in the factory that he had established with his father to, to try and do this, um, there was a massive explosion that ended up killing a number of people, including his younger brother, Emil. Now, some people would take that you know, as, a, as a sign that perhaps we shouldn't do something like this, but no, he steamed on ahead to develop nitroglycerin as a commercial explosive. His father, on the other hand, was, was shaken by this quite significantly and never really recovered. The second thing that I think steers us to the dark side of grey where Alfred Nobel is concerned, is that he was, he was very expansionist. He built factories everywhere in all countries around the world, mainly because it was very difficult to sell into a country, and governments tended to restrict that type of thing, um, so that explosives were built in the country that they, they, were, they were sold in. Um, he was selling uh, dynamite in Germany, with a dynamite factory in Germany in the, in the mid-1800s, but he wasn't able to, to build a dynamite factory in France, which is where he resided. He actually liked Paris a lot. He spent most of his life there. Um, because uh, there was political reasons, but there was also a gunpowder monopoly. There was these gunpowder barons that basically stopped new, new guys coming up and, and establishing their factories. But he's, he, he was persistent, he was patient, and lo and behold, in 1870, in the Franco-German War, the French military were exposed to the power of dynamite by the Germans. In 1871, he was allowed to build his dynamite factory. Um, so, just good business, you know? Um, the third thing I mentioned in terms of the dark side of Grey, 
Palestine, as I mentioned, was all for ballistic, weapon, ballistic weapons. There, there, isn't really any, there wasn't really any peacetime motivation for this. It made people kill people more effectively. Um, essentially, one of the things, the reason they liked it is that soldiers could use smaller caliber uh, weapons to kill people just as effectively, which meant they could carry more ammunition to kill more people. But that's not the real thing that I'm gonna highlight with the Ballastite for you in terms of like, casting aspersions on Alfred Nobel. Um, his, the, the thing that I'm gonna highlight here is that he wanted to sell Ballastite to the French government so the French military could use it. But uh, the French had found another source for something similar, built, uh, put forward by some other chemists. Um, and he was, so he wasn't able to sell his invention to the French uh, for this. He did what he thought was just the standard business decision. He went to the next country on the list. So he said, hello Italy, will you buy my ballastite? And yes, lo and behold, he made a swag of cash. Um, great business. French didn't see it that way. Um, they thought it was treasonous. They shut down his factories, they raided his office and called him a spy. And eventually, uh, it got so bad he actually had to leave uh, France and, moved, and he moved to San Remo in Italy. Um, the last thing that I'm gonna mention in terms of the dark side of Gray with uh, the explosives and his business practices. Um, in 1888, his older brother, Ludwig, died in Cannes in France. And um, the newspaper that was there that was covering the story actually mistook it for Alfred and wrote an obituary for Alfred Nobel while Alfred was still alive. It read, the merchant of death is dead. <laughs> and that's essentially how he was viewed quite uh, by a lot of the popular press. This horrified him, it mortified him. I mean, I'm, is this how I'm gonna be remembered, he thought. It was also around this time that he was corresponding with an old flame, um, uh, uh, his former personal assistant, who was a, a noted peace activist of the time. And it was during this period that people thought the seed of the idea for the Nobel Prizes was formed. Um, and he corresponded, he, he, he exposed pacifist ideas and, thought, and talked about the reduction of warfare. But I like to judge someone on their actions, not just on their words. This happened in 1888, and about 1894, he acquired a Swedish company uh, as part of his business empire, Bofors. Uh, this Swedish company's primary purpose was making cannons. He revolutionized the com company, saved it from bankruptcy, modernized the infrastructure in the workforce, and Bofors went on to be a dominant force in artillery manufacture for 100 years. So, yeah, I, it's, uh, it's, it's a bit questionable, really, in terms of, uh, it, was, it happened well after his brother's death. There are things that, right towards the end of his life, where he was still pushing the, the, the industrial war machine. So, I guess, with most scientists, and most scientists that work in controversial areas, you can come up with a yes or no, are they a villain or are they not? Um, did, uh, the peacetime use of explosives in civil engineering and mining counts cancel out the use of the in warfare and the deaths that it caused. Did the Nobel Peace Prize that he established after he died compensate for the, 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 the horrors of war that he enabled with his creations? Um, I'll, I'll let everyone else decide their own for themselves about that. Um, Albert Einstein was quite clear at the end of the Second World War. He thought Alfred acted solely out of guilt when he established the Nobel Prizes. Um, for me though, I, I, I like to go to a greater source of wisdom when I try and consider whether he really truly was a villain, I ask, what would Wonder Woman do? <laughs> you move her origin story a couple of decades earlier and it is the time of Alfred Nobel. If she'd seen the antics, the geopolitics, the explosive, the weapons development, would she have gone in and tried to stop him? I think she would have. Thank you. <laughs>